Okay, back here in studio with uh, Senate candidate Doug Massey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. You're uh, happy to talk to you. You were on our election coverage. You came in um, on the Zoom. So I was. You guys did a great job. Yeah, I loved, loved, loved having you on there. Um, you're running for the one of the Valley Senate seats and kind of the, one of the hot seats people are talking about against Senator Shower. And it's just two of you. He's Republican. You're Republican. And you actually did really well. You beat him in the primary, which I think a lot of people were pretty surprised. To, to, were you surprised? I was. Uh, actually, I walked, watched you and Senator Wilikowski talk about that race. Oh, and, yeah, we uh, did that uh, analysis guys, a few months before. You yeah. guys made it very clear that I was going to have a tough time, so I, it kind of scared me a little bit. And uh, Well, Shower is very uh, vocal. You know, he's got a kind of a following on the you know conservative. He's always on Michael Dukes and on his Facebook. So he's and like Shelly Hughes, you know, they just kind of have a – of a following. So, and then you had never run before you were a um, longtime trooper head of the wildlife troopers, but you know, just for people that observing, you know, politics, when somebody's kind of brand new to politics, it's hard to overcome somebody who's, you know, been in, been in, been there for a while. It, it is. And, and a lot of people prepared me for that. Um, hey, you're, you're a challenger. Don't get distracted. Don't get, uh, um, uh, don't get, uh, you know, don't get let down when you find out, you know, you may trail by a little bit on election day. Don't let that get you down. And uh, so I was prepared for, you know, uh, as a challenger, I was prepared for the worst. But when things started rolling in and I saw how positive things looked, I, I was surprised myself. So um, I was prepared either way. And, uh, you know, I think that people are ready for something different. So uh, that was reflected that night. Well, I'm going to ask you about why you decided to run. But first, I want to for the folks who don't know, you were you were the head of the wildlife troopers recently, but you you've been a trooper. And if you watch Alaska State Troopers show, you you were on there um, on some of the episodes. But you've been a longtime wildlife trooper, right? Yeah. So I um, started law enforcement in '97. I was actually a police officer in Kotzebue. I was a city cop for a short period of time. And oh, then, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I started. I, I took any old job I could get, fresh out of the academy, and. Uh, Got hired with the troopers soon after that and uh, spent 25 years in wildlife. I worked on the Kenai Peninsula, worked in Talkeetna, worked in the Matsu, worked here in Anchorage, and uh, finished up my career as the director uh, of wildlife, the rank of colonel, the last three and a half years under Dunleavy. So the troopers has like the, the wildlife element, and then they have the other kind of the, the you know, troopers on the road that are doing the... Yeah, so they're all under the Department of Public Safety. You have the Alaska State Troopers, which are your road troopers. They handle strictly criminal stuff, criminal law. And the wildlife troopers, um, I used to call us uh, the Swiss Army Troopers. We do everything. We Our core mission is wildlife protection, but we also do criminal law. So our folks would handle domestic violence. They'd handle DUIs. They'd handle all of the criminal things as well. They are trained uh, to do criminal law and wildlife law. So... You were also one of the main things is, is like the hunting and fishing stuff, right? So yes, I was going to ask you, um, you know, there's always people talking about fishing violations, hunting violations. How many people do you think get caught that, you know, actually other people who get caught, how many, you know, how many don't get caught, I guess? Um, I would say, you know, based on the fact that there's only about 98 wildlife troopers in the entire state, people get away with a lot of stuff. You know, we catch, we catch the ones that don't know any better a lot of the times, but, uh, 
Uh, I'd like to say that we caught everybody, but we don't. There's a lot of people that get away. This is such a huge state. It's mm-hmm. easy to get away with things. Um, but so, so some of the ones you catch, you were saying, they probably just maybe didn't know, but the people that are really like maliciously doing stuff, they, they know, and they're probably more clever and more, more able to kind of try to not get, you know, not get caught. Absolutely. And when we catch those people, we usually catch them pretty big. And, uh, the, the, you know, I, I joke about people getting caught. It's, um, friends mad at each other or ex-wives. That's a lot of the, uh, like a, a lot t- of the times. Like a tip. Yep. A lot of the times that's the way that goes. And then we follow up and we you know, we have this huge case and maybe years of poaching going on. Now, now I've heard, now if somebody illegally hunts, you can take anything that was used in kind of the commission of like a plane or like a, a truck or a boat, right? Yeah, you can, uh, uh, over the course of my career, you know, we I've seen airplanes, I've seen boats, I've seen uh, new vehicles, you know, anything that was used in the commission of the crime is subject to forfeiture. So if that, like, if they get convicted, you got the state, what, keeps the plane or the car or the boat? That depends on a lot of circumstances. It all goes through risk management. If the person owes more than the thing's worth, it's not in the state's best interest to keep it. But if we can find a way, if the state could find a way to put it into service mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's uh, seized and forfeited, they'll put it into service. There's several ATVs out there on the trail that were used in the commission of crimes that troopers are using to enforce state law. So you were in Kotzebue as a cop, and then you went to the troopers. Were you stationed, I assume, all around Alaska with the with the wildlife troopers? Yeah, I didn't. Um, so I wasn't. I didn't become a pilot till later in my career. So I didn't work out in the bush too much. But I was a city cop in Kotzebue uh, when I got hired with the wildlife troopers. My first duty station was Soldatna, the Kenai Peninsula. That's kind of a good one. It's a. It was a great one. Because a lot of people they get put in like the really rural. Yes. You know the first assignment, right? Yeah. Well, not the first one. Um, generally, your first assignment your first two years is going to be in a, a metro location like uh the matsu fairbanks or the kenai peninsula that way you can get trained up learn the fundamentals of law enforcement and then they ship you off to those rural oh, okay areas. so once you get a little experience they yep they get to the kind of tougher you're, areas you're going out to the bush so you 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 fly were you flying for the troopers i did i i flew i didn't get my pilot's license until about the middle of my career uh 2006, I think I started flying. 2007, I flew for the state until about 20, I guess 2015. What do you got? Um, you guys have like single engine, like Cubs or a little bit of everything. We we have uh, twin turbine uh, King Air. Um, the oh state yeah, does. you guys have the yeah. We have, have uh, single engine uh, turbine caravans, uh, Super Cubs, which is what I flew for the state. Um, basically, a wildlife tro- trooper in a lot of areas. That's their patrol car a little super cub that's what they go out and and do their patrol day with so when you get called to like some crime or something somewhere in the bush especially if it's like a wild like a wildlife thing it's just are you by yourself all sometimes or do you have backup generally you're by yourself so you know i i I joke about being able to use your lips to to uh to deal with people Mm -hmm. um that's what troopers are good at and i i i'm proud of the fact that i come from an organization that doesn't have to use extreme amounts of force to get things done i think working alone you learn to do that yeah because i've seen like when i was watching some of the trooper shows there's you know they're they're out patrolling or they're you know fishing and like you know you come to a guy with like you know he's got like a 44 magnum and like a 12 i mean these guys are quite you know they're worried about bears so they're quite like armed people you're it's it's funny you're right because we you know i would take um we do like partner patrols where someone could co- would come from the lower 48 and do a patrol with us 
and you, <laughs> they really they'd were. see the 44 and the guy has, you know, this giant hog leg strapped on his hip. He's got a rifle over his shoulder and the, 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 the person from the lower 48 is freaking out because they don't, you know, they're not used to this where everybody has guns in the bush that we're talking mm-hmm. to. And you just, you, that doesn't mean you, you aren't vigilant, uh, but you can't be paranoid. And you need to learn, you have to learn to deal with people and understand that guns are part of life in Alaska. What's like the wildest thing you ever saw? Does something come to mind in your whole career? Like that was just really crazy or something? Um, Crazy? So Crazy or maybe dangerous or just something where you're like unexpected, you didn't expect to? Well, I'll say the funniest thing I ever saw was a, a, a guy that uh, a trooper and I had to arrest. It was a domestic dispute up in Talkeetna. And I'm going to keep names out of it, obviously, but uh, we, we arrest this guy. We haul him to uh, the trooper station. Well, while we're putting him in the car, he, he gets physical with the other trooper. So we ended up pepper spraying him. And um, uh, we took him to the, the trooper station in Big Lake, and he says he has to use the bathroom. And we're helping him get the pepper spray off of, off of his face. And uh, so he doesn't wash his hands before he uses the bathroom, and um, touches his nether regions, and all oh, I can hear shit. is screaming and, and asking me to wipe it off, wipe it on. I said, you're on your own, bud. I can throw some water on it. But, I, I, you know, I helped him, but it was, it was a funny oh moment. Oh, my God. Yeah. Gee, that would be. Wash your hands. Yes. Okay. I've heard the stories where people are bear spray, uh, bears out, and then they, the wind's blowing, you know, blowing towards them, and they spray it, and they get it in their face. I've been sprayed. I've been on the wrong end of, of pepper spray, and it's not fun. And, You've and been we, sprayed for, for – you have to get – do you have to do it for your job? We did at the academy. We also got tased. But, uh, you know, you get pepper spray throughout your career because it all, inevitably it always goes wrong. You got sprayed like when somebody sprayed you by accident? Or? Yeah, oh, just shit. overspray. Like yeah. during during a, an arrest? Or? Yep, yep. We, I think just about every law enforcement person has probably been a, a victim of overspray. Depending on how much you get, I mean, how – like can you – is it like debilitating or can you still, can you still um, function? You can function. You got to fight through, you know, the first time you do it, it's hard to fight through, but you learn after years, you know, it's very uncomfortable, but you figure it out. We thought about, we haven't done this yet, but we thought about my buddy Kale, we were going to just do a video and we were going to, we were going to like have it outside and we were going to bear spray me and film it and then put it on YouTube. But then I we, think it's uh, already on YouTube. You don't need to <laughs> yeah, do that. I think we kind of decide. I said, well, first of all, I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to wear goggles. And they go, that doesn't count. Like, you can't wear it. I mean, that doesn't. No, that's not the that's same. Not, we're not going to do it if you're going to wear goggles. Well, I think the, like, the burn units or whatever they call it, uh, is it Scoville units or something yeah, yeah, like I think, that, I think, are far more for bear spray. So bear so sprays, I, yeah, it's more powerful. I would than, highly recommend against it. Yeah, um, we, we decided not, not yeah, to do it. But Good decision. So um, I want to go into, like, what, you know, why. I've heard some stories, and I'm going to ask you about it, um, why you decided to run. And then, so you, you used to live in you live in David Wilson's current Senate district. I've always lived in this this district um, that I'm in now, District O. But, but it w- used to be Senator Wilson's district. But, but with with redistricting, um, it changed. So you for ten years, however long you've lived there. But for since last redistricting, you've been in Senator Wilson's. And before that, I guess it was who was there before him? I'm trying to think. Huggins. Yeah, that's right, uh, yep. Charlie Huggins. So you thought about running and I've, I've heard Senator Shower and some other people talk to you about it and maybe go into that and kind of why you decided to run and then how this redistricting thing kind of 
put a little, you know, made a change and now you're in Senator Shower's district. Yeah. So initially when I um, talked to my wife about running, I started making phone calls. This had been uh, January of 22. So, you know, I had relationships, you know, being a director in the troopers, I had relationships with uh, a lot of the, the leaders in the Valley. So I, you know, why not give them a call and see what this is all about? So I called, you know, Senator Hughes. I called uh, Senator Shower. I talked to Senator Wilson. I talked to all of them. I even talked to Tuckerman Babcock, who wasn't uh, a seated senator at the time, but I knew he was running because he had made his announcement. Yeah, he's uh, running it for the, for the Senator the Machiki, yep. you know, the open seat in the Kenai right now. So I started making phone calls, and um, back then, the, the redistricting hadn't made their determination on the new lines yet. So, um, you know, I believed I was in Senator Wilson's district, um, and, and so did the people that were talking to me. So... In those phone calls, you know, I was encouraged by Senator Shower to run. He thought I would be a good team member and uh, really wanted me to um, to run for the seat. He was excited about it. Uh, I, it made me more excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had phone, phone conversations with Senator Hughes. Same thing. Yeah, you should do it. That would be great. Um, I think you'd do good things. Uh, and my parents, you know, they were Republican operatives in, in the, the party in the Mass. Hey, you, you come from like a, your family's like a long time Valley kind of family. And, and I know, you, like you said, they've been involved in the party in the past. Yeah. Uh, my dad, before he passed, he was district 15 chair. My mom was the women's, um, several term women's Republican party president for several years. And as a little kid, I was active in the Republican party doing whatever they told me to do. So, mm-hmm. um, no stranger to the party, um, loyal Republican since the day I, t- well, before that, but I registered the day I turned 18. So I had these conversations. I was very encouraged uh, from the feedback that I got from Hughes, Babcock, and Shower. Fast forward, um, redistricting happens. And <laughs> you end up in Shower's district. I end up in Shower's district, and... Um, as you can guess, I got subsequent phone calls. Let me, let me guess, they changed their mind about... <laughs> Apparently. So... Um, Careful what you wish for. Subsequent phone calls, you know, it was bizarre. Um, you know, I, I believe in having as many options as possible. I think that's healthy. Um, so I was a little frustrated. No, absolutely. The voters, you know, like some of, the, some of these seats in Anchorage, Tom Baggage, I mean, he waited till the absolute last minute to put up... And I like, I like Loki. She's running for that. She's going to win that seat. But it was kind of like an engineer deal. And instead of letting the district know and have all the people give, give them the opportunity to run, it was sometimes, this happens a lot. I mean, both sides do it. And people kind of think, oh, it's kind of my seat. So I want to have a determination in the successor. And I think, you know, the, the, more, um, the more time allowed for people in the district to think about running, the better. Because then you have more competition and you have more choices for that's the voters. That's healthy. Yeah. That's healthy. And uh, that's, I feel the same way. I think that uh, the more the merrier. And um, so those subsequent phone calls I got, hey, why don't you uh, maybe um, be a commissioner or something? Or why don't you do this or that? Or maybe you could. Uh, and you were already director of wildlife troopers. Yeah, which was I had appo- a great job. Which was an appointed position. I had, a, I had the best job in the world, you know, but I, you know, I believe in clearing the path for the future. And, you know, I, I had. I'd felt that I had built a good team for the governor and I had left it better than when I got there. It was time for me to go. 25 years is a long time and it was time for me to pass it on to somebody else and, and uh, you know, move on. So um, that was, it seemed like a, a logical next step to continue public service. You know, I'd, I'd done my 25 in law enforcement, good enough. 
So going back to the subsequent conversations, um, you know, I, I was basically being encouraged, being encouraged to go away. And that, that really bummed me out that, uh, you know, yeah, tell, telling a cop, Hey, stand down, go, go away. Probably isn't the best. Well, uh, not, not just a cop, but a loyal Republican who believes in the process. That's what really bothered me that, uh, you know, these three individuals thought that, um, they should be able to dictate and determine who, who runs, not even who's elected, but who, who steps up and runs. And, uh, I found that really frustrating. Um, I was even told that. Uh, so, so when, sorry, go ahead. I, I was even told, you know, hey, why don't you wait two years? You know, this, this was from Shower. I, why don't you wait two years? I really want to be part of the Constitutional Convention. I want to be a delegate. If if I leave in two years for that, you could you could have that seat. And I'm thinking, you know, number one, we don't know who our governor's going to be. You know, I'm a Dunleavy supporter. I make no bones about that. But we don't even know if that convention is going to, it's, it's probably, I mean, it could pass, but it's probably not going to pass. It's never passed. I mean, in the last, since, you know, the seventies right. and, um, there's a huge amount of people, you know, money and groups against it. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, I, somebody's relying on that passing is probably not the best. And, and that, that right there was decision point for me. You know, the fact that someone is, is going to run and, and get the, uh, the backing from the voters and, and not commit to the four years that, you know, the Senate seat has, I'm going to leave in two years. He told me that. So that, I thought that was disingenuous. And I was like, okay, I'm going to run because I think I can do a better job and I'm committed to it. So that's what I was going to ask you when you ended up in showers, when they announced the new districts and you were realized you were in showers district and not Wilson's. And I guess you kind of answered the question, but I was going to say, did you, were you always going to run or did something like, make you decide to run. And it sounds like this was this conversation. I, I wanted to do something in, in public service. Uh, so I, I'd looked at all options. And I even looked at McCabe's seat. Who's, yeah, who's, who's house district? Are you in McCabe's house? District? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought about running against him. Um, um, and I, I decided, you know, I, I think this is a better path for me. Um, so I told Mike shower in that second conversation, I said, listen, I, um, I'll let you know. You will be the first to know if I decide to run because I didn't make up my decision at that point because I had an obligation to to finish my job as a director of the troopers. And it's funny too because Shower actually replaced Dunlavy. He right. was he was repla- Walker put in Shower when Dunlavy resigned to run for governor back in I guess it was 2017 18 and then Shower since won. But that's kind of an interesting history. It is, you know, and but. You know, let's remember, Shower had to be walked across the street and registered as a Republican because he. Oh wasn't yeah, he one. was. He was an. Yeah, I I I found that out. Yeah, he was uh, independent or undeclared, I guess. So Babcock went to. You know, that was their guy. I and found that out, and then they had to redo it because I looked up his voter registration. Yeah, because I never. I mean, I'd never heard of him before. And look um, up mine. Probably a lot, eighteen, like 18 years, years old. Right? There you go. Eighteen years old. All committed. One hundred percent. Never, never waffled. Never waffled. Never wavered. So you just so you decided, then you told him, "Hey, I'm, what, what was yeah. his reaction?" So I I actually called him, um, at f- I, I forget what time. Well, I knew it was my last day of work. I called him up and I said, "Listen, I'm running. I I told you that I would let you know, and this is that phone call." And it was a good conversation. You know, he said, "Hey, let's have a a, a good clean race." I agreed. We both agreed to have a clean race, and um, that's here I am now. That's how not, that, not so, we'll talk about that in a second, but it's not so clean lately. No, it's, it's, getting, it's getting unfortunate. Nasty. Yeah. 
So, so, and you, you guys are heads up. So you're one of those, there's many races with just two people. I think seven people are unopposed. And then there's a, you know, more than a half a dozen races with just two people or sorry, more than a dozen races. So you don't have to worry about the ranked choice thing. No, it's just whoever gets more votes, no. um, which is, you know, an element on some of these races with three and four people. That's a little more complicated of like, how do I get the second votes and you know, the strategy, but in your case, it's just two of you and it's, you know, and the primary, you, you, I think it was about 700 votes. Is that right? Yep. Uh, more? 718 or something. So there's primary tends to be more, you know, Republican voters typically. Now it's a little bit different. It's an open primary, but I think there was a heavier conservative turnout in this last primary. 100%. Um, which means there's going to be more progressives and, and moderates and Democrats voting in the general, um, which I would say not a lot of them are going to go to shower. I mean, I think you're going to get more of those votes. A so, vote's a vote. So it's, it's, it's cause there's no Democrat in the race, you know, right. so they have to kind of decide. So, um, I mean, I, you know, every, anything can happen, but I mean, I think you, most people I, I talk to and my, my view is you're, you're in the driver's seat on this one. I, I laugh about, you know, um, the other guy, um, droning on about ranked choice. And I, I told my wife the other day, I said, if it wasn't for ranked choice, I'd be picking my office in Juno right now because he'd be gone. So you know, for yeah, if it was an old old school primary, if yeah. it was an old school primary, I'd be I'd be picking colors right now, <laughs> getting the getting the yeah. grapes. <laughs> yeah, I'd be packing my stuff. I, I'm ready to go to work. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I've I've heard that as well. What your comment about you know the 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 middle ground people gravitating my direction. I hope that's the case. Well, I just say that because you know Showers branded himself as you know obviously the PFD thing, but extremely conservative and, and he's been one of the very vocal and, and, and not just being conservative, but I mean, he's been, he's been kind of one of the people that has, have been missing a lot. I mean, I've, I've been in June in the last four years, you know, and he's been gone a lot, which I, I think is puzzle. I mean, if you have a job, I understand it's a citizen legislature, but he's not there a lot. And then when he is there, he tends to be very loud and um, this whole binding caucus thing and all this noise. And um, it's not been, you know, he's not been very effective. I mean, he's been loud but he's not been, you know, super effective at getting kind of what, you know, what he wants. 23 bills, zero past the finish line, zero. He got one out of the Senate into the House, which they killed it off immediately. I've done my homework. I've done my research. He has effectively done nothing down there. Uh, but like you said, a lot of, he's very vocal. He, he, he's very vocal for a, a very vocal minority. I think that, the, you know, District O specifically, has a more diverse group of people that I think I will represent a lot better. And uh, I think that's why I was successful uh, in the primary. Well, so since the primary, he, he obviously didn't like the result and he was very vocal on, you know, Michael Dukes and on, on you know, on Facebook. But recently there's been some kind of, and this must read Alaska, and I think you responded to it, but, but there's been some kind of weird accusations about your past. And I want to just say that when, when, when Amanda Price was commissioner, she barely got confirmed. Uh, at one point, they had, she had removed you as head of the wildlife troopers. And then not far, not long after that, she got let go. My understanding, and everybody at the time, uh, because you're friends with Dunlavey, and I don't think she, my understanding is she didn't tell him she did that. And then once he figured that out, you were put, she was let go and you were put back. Is that correct? So, you know, a lot of there's accusations now floating around about your history with, and you Show me some stuff here from the department yeah, about your... I can talk about that. But I want to ask you about that because that's been really out there and it's been kind of been, being repeated on Facebook and on, on some, some radio. To set the record straight, I was never demoted. 
I mean, you could look at my personnel records and like I said, I would open them up and let people look at them. I, I maintain my rank and range during the entire fiasco, I'll call it. Um, Miss Price um, basically fired me from that position. Uh, from, with, from, from with, direct director. Yes, from director and uh, didn't consult the governor or the chief of staff at the time. Um, I, I was made aware that they found out about it after the fact. I received subsequent phone calls from uh, the governor, from Kelly Howell, who um, is the special assistant to the commissioner in public safety, uh, basically saying, hold on, Doug, we're looking into this. We want to know what was going on. You have your position. You're on leave. Just, you know, continue to work from home. Yeah, you, you don't eliminate that kind of position without going to the governor. You wouldn't think. That would just, you definitely want to run that by yep. the, the, the boss, you know. And I was told that they were going to do an inquiry into my removal, uh, and they would let me know. I even received phone calls from DOA, uh, Kate Sheehan from DOA. Oh, she's the um, personnel director. Yeah. Yep. So they, they basically... Hey, Doug, I, hold on, I, settle I wish, down. I wish I knew everything she knew going back many years because she she's knows, fantastic. She knows where all the bodies she are. She is been. fantastic. She's, yeah, I, I like her. She's, she, she's good. I, you know, I dealt with her on labor relations, and there's no better person uh, mm -hmm. to go to the table with. But anyways, so I sat at home for a month um, working the whole time as the director, and, you know, once they completed their inquiry or investigation, whatever you want to call it, uh, it was found to be um, – the the removal from that position was was unwarranted and uh she was let go soon after that you, you were brought back yes now i don't want to go into the i know it's personalities and there's all kinds of things but i will say that before price got confirmed and i went back and checked because i was almost positive but i checked the pictures they did this kind of weird i called it a show of force um press conference with price right before the vote in 2019 and they had kind of all the people you know full regalia and you were there I was there. You stood, you know, kind of behind her, next to her. There was a table, and it was you and this Duxbury guy, and there was, I think, three or four other uh, longtime, you know, Barry Wilson safety. was there. Yeah, the longtime director, DPS employees, and you yep. guys basically stood there and said, "Hey, we want her there," and you know, so for her to kind of do that, I don't understand. I don't want to, you, you know, get you the support your governor. You know, that was that was the name they put forward, um, and Tuckerman Babcock at the time was the chief. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, we supported her. We support our governor. And, and you know, sometimes things don't work out. Um, it took me about three months to figure out what I was dealing with. So I, I played it very safe, very careful with her. And ultimately, you know, the, the truth comes out and people uh, are exposed for exactly who they are. And that's what happened. And, and everything worked out. Well, you're running for Senate. You retired. And I think she's, last I heard, she's in Florida writing a book. I keep hearing that. <laughs> I want to I read it. I'll be honest. I'll, I keep hearing I'll, that. I'll, I'll read it. Well, the other thing, not just Shower, but this Carol Carmen, who's been around a long time. She's a Republican, very, very, very conservative. Um, you know, very if you can be very mean and, and says says a lot of things. I've been aware of her for years. She's been going after you as well, and I guess can, she's a can Shower I tell agent. You about the first time I met her. Oh, I'm sure it's just. I mean, I've, I used to remember seeing her at Republican events here ten years ago plus, and and just extremely. The first time I met her was at the Republican uh, meet and greet in Willow this summer. Oh boy, and so I, you're, you're a relatively new. I'm brand new. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm just her. smiling and waving at everybody, and just glad to be there. And and I set up my little booth next to this woman. Actually, I was there first. She shows up after me, and I look over and I smile at her, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm I'm Doug. How are you?" And she looks at me, 
with this thousand yard stare and says, I'd be doing better if I was next to Mike shower. Oh my God. And I'm like, Whoa. I'm, sh- I'm shocked. So I'm like, what in the world? Was that your first like neg like negative? Uh, Absolute first interaction with her. Was that your first really negative um, on the campaign trail as far as somebody who would respond to you like that? Um, no, I, mean, I guess you knock on doors. I got all kinds help. of weird Facebook messages and, uh, he, he does shower does. He's one of those people. He has kind of, um, I don't want to say a cult, but he has like a following of really kind of hardcore followers. And, he does. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and they, they're kind of, they're kind of rabid. I'm not going to disagree with you. You know, I've been, I've been, I, I don't want to sound whiny or snivelly, but it's been interesting. Well, I, I've seen, I mean, I've written things sometimes unfavorable to him. Something he'd, like the thing years ago when him and Shelly, they ran away from, I don't know if you remember that or if you were paying attention, but there was a big vote and they like left the Capitol yes, and like, I, they, they, we couldn't find him. And I was, I was running around Juno trying to find him. Right. You know, it was like, that was, and people came at me like I'm going, I said, I didn't do anything. He's the one who left. I mean, I didn't leave. They left. So yeah, that was my first interaction with her was, um, she let me know right away. She did not like me. Oh, yeah, no, I, not, not I didn't even know who the woman was. Not surprised at all. She's, she's very, can be very unpleasant. Yep. So she's come out and she's been repeating this stuff and they're trying to kind of go after, and, and this must read who I'm not a fan of her at all is downing. They re, they basically printed these, these really cut and paste. It looks these, like these really kind of bad, you know, horrible accusations. Yeah. And then you, you wrote, you responded and she printed that. No, which, I, and I appreciate that. That was, that was good of her to do that. Um, you know, one of the allegations in there, and, and it's interesting, you can go back and look at it. I don't want to draw attention to it, but because it's it's full of false information and slanderous information. But one of the things I will bring attention to is, is Carol Carmen talks about how I was forced into retirement because I was being investigated for interfering with an investigation. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I'm, I'm me and my wife were, I'm that's like, a, that's a weird one puzzled like what in the world is this so you know i i chose to retire i've never been under an ai for interfering with anything so um i you know these personnel records that i provided you mm-hmm. show that i left in good standing i wasn't be able to bring my um alaska police standards council uh paperwork but that would also show that i'm eligible for rehire and i i also i'll, made, just, I'll just read this I, I can post this later if, if that's okay but um it's from Commissioner Cockrell, the DPS commissioner, he's ready to inform you um, your intent to retire. and you're- That's actually me to him. Oh, the, okay. This is the one you wrote to him. Yes. This is about the eligible, but you're saying you're eligible to be rehired after. Yeah. So I'm, I'm eligible for rehire. I left in good standing. In fact, the commissioner, um, we had conversations and he was bummed out that I was leaving, you know, and I didn't want to leave. I just, it was the right time for me. Uh, I actually spoke to him two days ago about this. And because uh, I, I requested my personnel records and uh, he said, quote, if anybody has question about your retirement, they can call me. OK, nice. So Jim Cockrell, great man. I, res- I did a podcast with him during session and I, I, I kind of made myself look kind of dumb. I said, man, who like I said, what idiot canceled the Alaska State <laughs> Troopers TV show? And he goes, I did. Uh, and I go, oh, my God. <laughs> How did you fix that one? We, we just talked about it. but He's a great man. You know, I didn't, he kind of laughed, but I, I didn't say what it, what it I think I, I think I just said, who who would do that? Like, who canceled the damn show? It was the best show. I love that show. And then he's like, it was me. And then he explained why and all this stuff. But That's okay. We've but, all done that. That was, a, that was a, my foot. My, I've done that before. I'll do it again. Put the foot so, in the mouth. Yeah, that, you know, that was one of the issues going back to the um, – 
a lot of the false stuff that was said, that was one that really struck me. Cause I, you know, I've had a 25 year distinguished career. I've worked hard for that. And for someone to, uh, say that, um, uh, is, is really disheartening. And, you know, and, and I'll say this for my opponent, not to step in and go, wait a minute, this is not true. This is where I draw. That's what I would do if mm-hmm. it were me. And I knew that, you know, John Smith, who I'm running against, didn't, you know, uh, jaywalk, and he was being accused of jay. I'd step up and say, "Listen, that's not that's not well, right." This, this is why. So, I mean, you look at there's 59 legislative seats up, and you know, seven of them are unopposed. A whole bunch of other ones are kind of they don't really have serious opponents, and it's because so many people don't want to run because you have to expose yourself to all of this stuff you're talking about, yep. and then when you do win, you know, it's 50 grand. It's not a lot of money. You got to be in Juno three months, but it's really four and five and six months. Yep. And it's just so much to sacrifice as far as being away from family or job and then dealing with all of this. It's really, this is a big reason why people don't want to run. And I talk to people all the time that friends of mine or people I know, I say, you'd be great to, you know, legislator, you should consider, you know, running. Oh, no way. You're great. I'm never going to do that for all the reasons I just listed. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, there's nothing self-serving about it uh, or there shouldn't be. If, if there is, there's a problem, but, uh, you know, you don't make a lot of money. You sacrifice a lot of family time. You subject your family to, um, you know, all the things that, that these, these people that run and these legislators go through. And it's unfortunate because that, you know, that, I think that's why we don't get quality people stepping up. So, so the, the big, I want to ask you the big, you know, for the last seven years issue has been the dividend. I mean, where are you on, I mean, it's, some people full dividend, some, you know, it was 50, 50 kind of was like the basically agreement for about a year. Dunleavy pitched that in March of 2021. Most legislators got behind it. The working group, the legislative working group they put together, they got behind the 50, 50. But then when the price of oil went up and you know, after Putin invaded Ukraine, all of a sudden we go from 2,600 was the 50, 50 amount this year to 35 to 43 to 55, you know? So I guess where are you on, on this problem that's you know plagued the legislature and the governor for the last seven years i'm ready to put it to bed you know i i don't know if you've been tracking you know what i put out there on my website on my social media i saw you holding the cat my cat i, I love that bit the, the, the cat yeah, picture the, that's my daughter's cat don't call it my cat <laughs> it, uh you were in the, you were you were like wearing your uniform that was my last it. day of work yeah i love that I, picture. I wore a the, good picture yeah me and the goose we call him the goose anyways um I'm, I'm all about putting it to bed. You know, I've, I received the first PFD back in 1982, the $1,000 paper check. I held it up. It was, it was cool. Which was a lot of money then. I mean, a lot of money, a lot of money, but we're, you know, we're pumping 2 million barrels through the pipe back then. We had a population of about less than 400,000 back then. Mm -hmm. We had far less infrastructure to support back then. Fast forward to now we have what, 730,000 people. We have... 497,000 barrels going through the pipe and we have far more infrastructure to support. Yeah, it's all true. Tell me how that adds up. Do you know, I want to pay the biggest dividend we can afford to pay. And right now we have two conflicting statutes on the books. We have 20 Senate bill 26 and we have the original formula. So, um, you know, as a law enforcement guy, if you have two different laws on the books, and a, and a cop can just arbitrarily pick and choose what law they want to follow or hold you to whatever standard they believe is okay at the time, there's a problem. I mean, I mean, you, you, I think I did a story last in, during, during session, and because the 
formulas, the old formula is still in the books. When the permanent fund does their annual books, they, they show uh, what, what amount of the POMV draw, the 5% draw, what it would take to pay that formula. And it's like 82% of, of the draw would have to go to pay these dividends, which would right. leave almost no money for the, and you'd have to, you know, literally find billions of dollars and cause you can't make the cuts. You can cut some, but they've tried making these multi-billion dollar cuts, which is not re- just not realistic. It's not. Even, even the people who say it won't even, won't even find really any, because the biggest- Where, where educa- do we cut? You have to cut education and healthcare, because those are the big, like 60% of the budget. Um, and then, you know, f- taxing billions. So you're right, they, are, they don't work. Those two statutes don't work. And it's just, I've been there four years and I've watched it, just how much this issue, you know, stops every other thing. It does. Everything else gets put to the side. Just, just to figure out this, you know, and for years it was a pretty low amount because there was just no money. And then, but as soon as the price went up, I mean, the Senate passed 5,500, which was kind well, of a negotiating tactic, but then the House was going to agree with it. The, and and you know where we'd be January 1st if, uh, or, or at the next fiscal year, if we would have paid a $5,500 PFD, we'd be starting out a, a billion and a half in the hole. Well, right now the you know the price you're right you're right and the price of oil is in the 90s and it's been you know I think the current budget they passed is is based on um, right around 88 89 and then below that you know you start to, if it goes if it averages below that you start to lose some of this forward funding on education and then and then the the, the little meager sum they are going to put away and and the CBR goes away so yep. I mean it's like we're 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 just riding on like the edge, man. We're just like, let's, let's, let's have fun and spend as much as possible until, you know, and this is what happened. We've seen this back in 2008, 2009 when the price of oil, you know, shot up, the spending just skyrocketed. It did. And and we put ourselves into this position. Um, there's really no way to cut our way out of this that I can see. Um, I, I know that there's probably efficiencies to be realized, but the reality is the formula the original formula isn't working. Dunleavy knows that. I mean, he's he's pushing the 50-50 plan. I would like to look at that. I agree with him that, you know, the the people aren't happy with Senate Bill 26 and people, you know, the, the original statutory formula is not sustainable. So I'm willing to look at his 50-50 plan and explore any option in between. Um, I mean, 50-50 gets pretty close. You still have to find some, some other revenues. Uh, maybe you make some combination of cuts and, but you have to find some either, you know, sales tax, income tax, oil tax, other industry tax. I mean, you have to find some revenues there, but you know, if the price of oil stays relatively high, the, the revenues aren't, aren't that much. But the problem is if the price of oil goes down again, like we saw, you know, before, after 2014, it went to, you know, it was in the thirties and twenties mm-hmm. and then it went back up a little bit, but then it was with COVID. It was, it was fucking below zero right. for a while. Negative. Negative. Which is like just a weird thing but for a long time it was in the 30s and 40s which doesn't really bring in that much revenue no it doesn't and uh you know that's why i'm open and willing to we need to put the political football away people i've watched so many of these legislators promise you know back pfd uh we're gonna pay you your six thousand dollars the state owes you and every one of them has put them back themselves in a corner i refuse to do that you know if, if for some reason i get there and you know, the best way to do this is an original form. Okay, great. But I don't see that. that the, the, the data doesn't support that. I think, you know, like you said, the 50-50 plan moves us closer to that. 
I will not support a statewide income tax ever. I will say that right now for sure. So I will never have to back myself out of that corner. Um, you're, 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 you're pretty, pretty, I'm in a corner, pretty stern on that. One. I'm stern on that one. I will never support an income tax. And I, you know, I don't believe in, I'd, I'd gladly give up a couple hundred dollars in my PFD. So I don't have to, so they don't have to go after my fixed income, my retirement income. I think, you know, we we get free government, you know, there's not, I think we might be the only state in the union that gets free government I think services. We're the, yeah. We're the only state without a state income tax and state sales tax. Yeah. I mean, some like Nevada has no income tax, but they have a sales tax and other states have maybe a, an income tax, no sales tax, but we have no income tax, no state. We have some local sales taxes, but. And, and oh, the, by the way, the government pays us, you know, oil royalty royalties for living here. It's great. It's fantastic. So I don't see, you know, the, the, um, the point in, um, you know, paying these huge dividends that are going to result in well, an in 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 income tax. And that makes no sense to me. That's not, that's not being fiscally conservative. That's what, you know, I don't know if you know Chris Birch, but he was a friend of mine. He, he died. I senator, do but remember him. He was the, ver- the loudest one on that. You know, he's like, we'll pay what we can afford, but we're, you know, he's, we're not going to, in his view, didn't want to tax people to pay the, pay the PFD. And, and he was to the point where he actually, at one point, I remember this in 2019, me, a Costello, and, and Shower, they were begging him to not introduce uh, an amendment for basically a really, really small, a kind of a leftover PFD, we'll call it, whatever we had left over. Mm-hmm. And I remember on the floor they were saying, don't do it, because they didn't want to have to vote on it. And I remember how Chris was like, I just don't give a shit. Like, this, is what, this is what I believe, it's the right and thing this is to what, do. Where, where it should be. And, you know, everybody has the right to introduce, you know, amendment. Something else I wanted to ask you, I don't want to box you in here at all, but I know you, you know there's 20 senators, you have to get to 11, and with some of these races, you know, I think Giesel might win. I think Kelly's, Merrick's probably going to win. Um, Clayman looks like he's in a good spot to win. Um, you have, you know, Bert Stedman, Click Bishop, Gary Stevens that have been in prior coalitions. And it seems like the Senate might be going that way, but it's hard to, you know, tell until everybody gets elected. But, I mean, is, is that something you would explore or would? So I think if I get elected, we'll have a Republican majority with a few Democrats. I really feel that way. I think if my opponent gets elected, they'll, we'll be in the minority. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be on an island like we have been and uh, getting nothing done. You know, you look at the Valley. I just talked about that at the Wasilla Chamber Forum. Um, you, you know. Oh, that, fact, was, that was today, right? Yeah. One of the other senators brought it up. I'm not going to name her name. But uh, <laughs> she talked about how Fairbanks has all these uh, four-lane roads going through town and these, you know, Steis XB and the, all these nice highways. Well, yeah, because Senator Stedman works with people to get things done. And, and that's what it's all about. And, you know, it, the... The lack of ability to see that is astounding to well, me. Well, and I've, I've covered, I mean, I've written this extensively, and it's just, it's just apparent. Anybody who pays any attention, the real majority, the last four years, has been um, Stedman, Stevens, Bishop, Natasha, a few others, and then the Democrats. The real majority, there's the majority, kind of the Senate majority, quote unquote, Republicans, and then Lyman Hoffman. But the real majority, the people that can pass a budget and do all this stuff is the Democratic minority, Tom Begich and, and his, you know, sometimes there's a few people that don't do it, like Kawasaki's voted, you know, against budget. And, but they've got enough of the Democrats to work with enough of Burt's people and, and you know, on the finance committee to, to pass the budget. They're not passing budgets. They're not passing big legislation with their own majority, which if anybody pays any attention, the whole point of a majority is to have the votes to do things. Yes. And, and the last four years, it's been 
um, a group of Republicans in the majority plus the Democratic minority to pass the budgets, to pass the dividend, which is a really strange it is. phenomenon. It is, but it also, you know, it. I think in these positions you need to be willing to work with the other side. You need to be willing to work across party lines. And I know everybody says it, but they don't do it. You know, and those folks that you pointed out have done it and they've been successful and their constituents reap the benefits of that. Well, it's, it's also, it's working with, absolutely, you have to work with people. But there's another element of when you, you know, and Shower has been very vocal about this, Shelly Hughes, not not as much when she became majority leader, but um, they go on the radio and they go on Facebook and they, they just say the most horrible things you can imagine about their their colleagues. And then they yes. wonder, they wonder why they can't get, like Mia Costello can't get, a few hundred thousand dollars for a road or for a light. Yeah. Because, you know, when you when think about it, if somebody treats you so badly in public, you're not going to help them. It's just, we all know how that works. We, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, and it's reflected, you know, on who brings home the bacon and who doesn't, you know, it, you can see it all across the state. Who's, who's a successful legislator and who is not, you know, I, you brought up the Michael Duke show. Um, I don't know if it was earlier when we were talking or, or yeah, no, I mean, shower goes on there a lot. And I mean, I listen to him bash fellow senators and, and I think that's so unprofessional that, I mean, regardless of what your thoughts are, you don't do that. I mean, Dan Fagan, Mike Picaro. I mean, I'm friends with Josh Revac, you know, and he became a Senator when he filled Birch's seat after he you know, passed away. And mm-hmm. um, they, I mean, you know, J- Josh is doing what he thinks is right, you know, and they come, they have the things they say about him. Yeah. I mean, just nonstop every, you know, he's not running and he's got a family and I don't blame him, but it's like, this is going back to why people, you know, don't want to expose himself to this kind of this barrage of just negative, mostly untrue, mean, personal. Yeah. They can say whatever they want and there's no repercussions. I found out it's uh yeah. I mean, this goes Sullivan case goes, but it's a long standing. If you're a public official, I mean, basically the, it's kind of open fair game. It's yeah. fair game. I mean, you have to, it's got to be so egregious. It's got to be just so, it's got to be so wrong. And you also have to prove they intend to harm you. And it's and it causes harm. I mean, the bar is like very, very low on this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's or, funny. Sorry, high. The, uh, the, the stalker, um, I enjoy reading her. Oh yeah, she, she, she's, she, she you're, caught, you're one of her favorites. She caught me whining uh, on my personal Facebook oh, no. and, uh, <laughs> I, I deleted it because it was funny. I, a friend of mine um, who is my campaign manager, she's like, hey, she texted me. She's like, maybe you should take that off. It almost looks like you're whining. But, but I forget. The, what was it? I can't remember. It was, a you know, I'm cleaning up my friend's list because I had a lot of uh, the other side's operatives kind of snooping through my stuff and doing grabs. Oh, that's smart. Um, you got to watch it because that's what people do. But yeah. the stalker caught my whining, and uh, I wasn't fast enough because she, she had it. Uh, up and out uh, on the next Sunday. Oh, the, uh, the, the screen cap? Yeah, so. I, I, you I, know, I, remember, I mean, I forgot, forgot what it was, but I remember something. It wasn't a bad that. whine. It was just a little whining. So, you know, and I, it's, I've got tough skin. I don't have thin skin. I was in law enforcement for 25 years. I've been uh, spit on, kicked, punched, a little bit of everything. But this is a whole new, this is guerrilla warfare. This is a whole new animal. You know, I, I tell people, um, I've had a lot of friends. I've run for office. I've never won, but I've, you know, involved in politics and I've, I've run before and people ask me, they're going to run and they kind of ask for advice. And I tell them, here's what's going to you know come. But I always tell them, you can't prepare for it. Like you, can, you can't, nothing you can do can prepare you for an article. That's like, 
out there that's a viral or somebody goes after something person, whatever it is, you know, it's going to come out. Something's going to happen to you. And, and I just tell people just, you have to understand it's going to happen and you can't prepare for it. And when it happens, you have to understand that it's going to go away, but it's just part of the game. And, and every time inevitably, you know, somebody does run a friend or somebody I know, and then something happens and it's just like, it's, it's so hard to, Nothing can prepare you, prepare you to deal with that kind no, of thing. No, it's, it's, it doesn't. And the best thing I've found is ignore it. Keep the high road. This last one from uh, um, District 29, uh, Carol Carmen, she, uh, I couldn't ignore that one because it was a flat-out, bold-faced lie saying that well, I was forced to leave the troopers. That, and that's just a lie. And, you know, I don't know why freaking Suzanne Downing published that because when it's on the Internet, you, some, when somebody Googles you, they're going to see that, you know, maybe they won't see your response. You know, it's out there forever. Yep. I mean, I'm talking at this point, I just don't give a shit. Cause I got the speedo stuff and everything's out. Like there's so much on me. That, we all make poor choices, it, right? Oh, I, I still, I double down on that. But at some point when there's just so much, it actually helps when there's just so much out there, it makes it better. If it's just one or two things and people can hone in on that. But when, when, when you, you gotta just own it, you gotta double down. Well, I'm not going to throw on my speedo. So you should do it. I mean, you'd probably get some, some likes. Some I actually there. don't own one. So we, we can get you, we can take yeah. care of that. I'm a board short guy. Remember I saw you in Hawaii. Yes. I was there with my friend Forrest Wolf. He's actually running for house here in Anchorage, but his dad has a place there um, on Conan. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was you at first, but your son was wearing this really funny hoodie. He's always wearing weird stuff. It was this goofy, and we, we, me and Forrest were like joking about it. And like, I think it said practice safe sex. Uh, something, something like that. Something, and we were like laughing. And then all of a sudden you're walking out. And I go, oh my God, it's Colonel Massey. Yeah. And then I saw you at the airport. Yeah. We were on the same plane. That was back in, I think it was January, right? Yeah. That's my son. He's uh, he's an adult, so he can wear what he, you know, he buys his own clothes now. So, so apparently uh, I learned, I, didn't, I don't have, have a lot of young some friends with kids. I don't have any kids, but there's this new thing now where these young kids are wearing these sweaters with these like really weird sayings on them. Yes. It's like a new, new trend, I guess. So I've seen all kinds of strangeness. That's how I learned about it. Your son sweater. Well, it's been Colonel Massey. Great talking to you. Doug, Doug, Doug. I'm just a civilian now. Well, it's been great talking to you. And I know you're one of the races. I mean, there's several Senate races. People are, I mean, the Geisel race, the Merrick race, the Costello claiming race. Um, you know, your, your race is one of the ones people are really watching. Can I ask you a question? Shoot. What's your prediction on your race? Yeah. I think you're going to win on, only because you got so many more votes in the primary. Um, I'm, you know, we're going to do predictions before we always do predictions before the election and, and we're going to, I think you're going to win. I mean, you know, he's raising money and showers out there really, I think he's nervous about the primary, but I just don't see how you overcome that many votes when, you know, especially when you're going to have more, um, kind of moderate type voters in, in the, in the general, which I don't think most of those are going to vote for shower. I hope you're right. So, well, you know, anything we'll have a beer. Are you, are you uh, doing a lot of door to door? You know, that's funny. You bring that you up. You have kind of a big district. Well, and, and most of my constituents have signs on their trees that say we don't call nine one one. So it was funny the other day <laughs> I saw a post cause I'm a member of the, the settlers Bay Inlet view community watch we don't call nine one. no i'm serious and <laughs> they, there was a picture and i scroll, i'm scrolling through okay where where are they cutting uh um you know catalytic converters out of now and I, i'm scrolling through and i see mike showers picture there uh, someone did a, a video screen grab of him and he's in their backyard um uh you know trying to get a hold of them to give them you know uh political literature and talk to them door knocking basically and mm-hmm. i told my wife I said, this is why you don't door knock 
You're going to end up on someone's, you know. Mike Dunleavy told me many, many years ago, this is probably like 10 years, because he ran in 2012, and I, I, we both ran in 2012 mm-hmm. um, against kind of at the time coalition. He beat, he beat Linda Menard. Yep. But he told me, uh, remember he used to have like a mule? Yes. He like. He used to ride that uh, thing. He used to ride that he? thing. Yeah. But he was knocking on somebody's door, but it was one of these kind of, you know, house, big, big houses with a lot of property. Back and in the woods. Yep. And he went up there and um, dude comes out with a gun. Yeah. You know, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa buddy, you, I'm, I'm running for state, you, you know. You got to know your district. And this isn't downtown Anchorage where you go rattling on doors. You'd See, be- I've, I've run both in, you know, midtown South Anchorage um, several times. And I mean, it's very compact. Yep. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're very dense housing and, you know, single family homes. So it's pretty easy to, you know, but some of like Valley or even, even, you know, like rural districts, I mean, like, you know, Lyman Hoffman and Neil Foster, and then they have to take airplanes. Yep. And, but you can't I, door knock. I've been doing a lot of driving, put it that way. I've been to Valdez a couple of times. I've been to Healy a couple of times. Um, yeah. Cause your thing goes all the way from Valdez South up to, up to past Healy, right? Ely, Clear, Valdez, Talkeetna, Willow, Big Lake, um, North Wasilla, Sutton. Yeah, this is like Cantwell. Is, it's the, it's it's like the half donut district. So we do like uh, like hey, I'm having an event in Sutton. Yep. Tell people come come see me, and then yep. folks show up. That's exactly what I've been doing. In fact, I'm headed to uh, uh, the Copper Center meeting at Tulsana Lodge here in a few days. Um, I'm going to head back down to Valdez, and then I've got a. a, a, a candidate forum at the college uh next week valdez I, I was watching the redistricting pretty closely and valdez is like the big problem because nobody really wants them but but they have to go somewhere and they have four thousand people and they don't really fit they, they i can, want them they can you but i'm saying I they, want them. they like it's hard to place them because they're so far away from other populations and they're always there's always a big fight about valdez like where does valdez go and you know i think the there was a lawsuit even by some matsu um republicans who didn't want valdez so i i think also, the Valdez people were um, arguing at the redistricting about how they weren't being represented. And uh, I actually talked to the mayor and the city manager the other day. Uh, we had we had a good talk about some of their issues. And I think, you know, for a city that is the delivery point for most of the oil in mm-hmm. North America, they they deserve a little bit of attention. And I'm, I'm going to give that to them. Yeah, I think there was the fight. I think some people wanted to put them with, like, southeast because they're kind of coastal. So... Every time that comes up, Valdez is like always just like, what do we do with them? Because they're it's fourth, which is you know not an insignificant amount of people, and they yep. have to figure out where they where they go. So so you got Valdez all the way up to Wahili Copper Center. So, have you been to the Willow Trading Post? Uh, a long time ago. Have you, have you read an article about them? I have read several articles about them. A little bit of a thruple going on over there. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's all done, isn't it? I think they've I've heard that they've had some problems, and I'm not sure if it's even still going on, but. We were out there doing an article, and there's some, let's say, some very interesting owners, yeah, or, or managers, I guess. I I've I heard that they're gone and they're trying to get it. I mean, it used to be a great place to go eat. It was I think had, the the people that own Peggy's. Owned yes, it. yeah. So yep. And then this whole thing, and I actually did the story about the this new ownership of this thruple and this kind of weird, this kind of porn. But but then I was told later, and I got to do a follow up on this. I don't. They didn't even actually buy it. It sounds like it was more of like a. You're going to manage it, and then it's, it seems like it's been a big controversy lately. Yeah, I think I, I've heard those people are long gone, and I hope they get her under control because they, <laughs> they had good burgers and good pie. I it was great food. Yeah, yeah, great food. Yep. Great, great, great burger. Yeah, pizza and everything was really good. Kind of an like, iconic place. It's it's, for, it's like iconic, like iconic kind of like Willow, yeah. you know, 
you know, bar, tavern place. Absolutely. A little dive bar with good food. Well, best of luck to you, uh, uh, Doug Massey, for coming Thank on. You. Thanks for coming on the show. And definitely want to have you on our election night coverage. And we're going to send out an email. So we're going to be doing that same thing, th- same thing again for the November 8th general election. So I look forward to it. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Doug. Great talk. Great talking to you. And uh, we'll uh, be seeing you here in a few weeks and what happens on the election. Thanks. Thanks. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.